0: Back in the 90s, he was a famous TV star. Today on Raiders Get Animated, we're talking Bojack Horseman. Stay tuned! Stay tuned! Stay tuned! Stay tuned! I don't like the words. I'm gonna play with it if that's alright. Remain tuned. What are you doing,
1: tuned? Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation and storytelling. I'm Chris Leva, And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we're talking about BoJack Horseman. The man, the horse, the myth, the legend.
0: The washed up sitcom TV star.
1: You know him, you know, you, you love him, hopefully. But before we get into our conversation, we must say this. While we endeavor on writers get animated to make every show family friendly, this show may not be.
0: <laughs> well, our our episode may be. Yes, yes. Our, the, while the, the language of our
1: ep- while the language of our episode will be completely appropriate for all audiences, the content may not be. So please use listener discretion in terms of. Uh, this particular episode of Writers Get Animated. If your kids are listening, this is probably one where they shouldn't be listening. Yeah. so
0: Possibly. Possibly. Depends how you're raising your kids. No judgment.
1: No judgment. Ever.
0: <laughs> Hashtag no judgment ever. Hashtag right. every morning is a gift.
1: <laughs> so let's talk about BoJack Horseman. What is Bo- BoJack Horseman?
0: What is it, Bojack Horseman? Bojack Horseman is life. Uh, I, I wish that I knew more about how this show came to be. And there have there have been reading a lot of articles. I've been binging all the fancy literary articles with famous artists doing some kind of newspaper headline art for it, of like paper cutouts of Bojack Horseman in the New York Times, because that's the attention this show is getting. It started as a comedy about funny half animal, half. People, people in L.A. as movie stars where there were also whole people and not half people. And craziness ensued. And then it's become this striking portrait of, uh, I don't know, mental illness, question mark? It's not kind of fully stated?
1: Yeah, I'm not certain if it would be. I, I believe that there would be some sort of mental illness in there. Definitely some sort of depression. Um, mm-hmm. Bojack may be what's the word I'm looking for? Not prescribed, diagnosed. That's the word I'm looking Mm -hmm. for. He may be diagnosed with several disorders, Mm -hmm. um, many disorders, but it's not explicitly said that they are either exploring those or that he is suffering with any of them. We simply are seeing the effects of a person slash horse, (laughs) A horse's actions, a horseman, if you will, uh, watching the reactions to his actions and just the repercussions of everything. This is one of the very rare, odd, animated shows where things that happen matter. Mm -hmm. And they matter throughout. That They have repercussions for... Later episodes, they have repercussions for the opening credits.
0: <laughs> yeah. This is not like a, a Voltron repercussions where like, there's an like ongoing plot you have to know, but there's emotional repercussions. And sometimes things change. The yeah. couch changes, as we'll discuss today. Couch um, changes.
1: The living rooms changes. The yeah. people in, the li- in Bojack's life changes. So there's a lot of change which is rare for an animated show to have that much change.
0: Yeah. And it is a special, special snowflake as a Netflix original animated show too. So it it can get away with more as we'll discuss today.
1: Yes, (laughs) that's very true. It can absolutely get away with more.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of the striking things that has stuck with me in my research for this is, uh, the, the show creator, Raphael Bob-Waksberg, said in one of the interviews, I still don't know if we're telling the story of ultimately Bojack's redemption or more of Bojack's bottoming out. So I guess with that quote in mind, we don't really know if this is a comedy or a tragedy. Um, it's certainly you laugh enough or in Chris's case, you sit there on the couch staring blankly at it. And then your wife asks, is it funny? And you go, yeah, it's really funny.
1: I, I i don't I don't laugh out loud at BoJack, but i i I, I laugh so far internally I'm just shocked by it. It's shock yeah. I have shock laughter, Shockter. Shock. rap, rap pew pew <laughs> yeah i yeah what, whatever is happening, it's happening on it's the kind of humor that happens on multiple levels at a single moment. Which Mm -hmm. is what makes it so satisfying, but which, because it's operating on all those levels at the same time, my brain is trying to comprehend them on all those levels at the exact same time. So we get, stare blankly at the TV and say, this is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Computationally, my brain is saying, this is really funny, but physically my body, after all that computation, doesn't have the energy to let forth an actual laugh. It's just this is so funny. This is so funny.
0: Uh one thing that I do enjoy about the process of the show being made is that it is there's a lot of collaboration in it. The writers obviously drive the plot and the character and all that fun stuff, but they they've talked about how sometimes they don't know all the jokes out of the episode until it is available or they're seeing a final version of it because the animators add subtle background jokes. This show is so chock full of like subtle bad Animal puns and jokes. Um, that after a while, it's just like this this war of attrition on your sense of humor. Like you just start to find puns really funny. Yes. Um, an example, something working on a couple levels in one of the episodes we talk about today. Uh, one of the opening jokes in season three, episode four, "Fish Out of Waters." Bojack is having a panic attack on a plane, and there's a stewardess telling him to sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, and he won't. And you're you're like, oh, he's having a panic attack. Ha 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 ha! And then suddenly he gets Shocked and collapses. You see behind him holding a taser, an electric eel. <laughs> In the world of the show, I'm sure the electric eel could have shocked Bojack himself, but the joke is he did. He used the He's taser. A taser.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there was one that I laughed at that was so subtle, so amazingly subtle that um, my wife missed it and I had to remind I had to rewind it a little bit and then she saw it. She's like, I missed it. I'm like, okay, watch closer. <laughs> but it's in the same episode. It's at the very beginning of the same episode, the fly waiter. Oh, serving the soup? Serving the soup. And accidentally having the very tip of his thumb in the soup. So <laughs> for a moment, there was a fly in the soup.
0: Oh, I missed the thumb in the soup. My favorite from the first episode is um, at one point, they're, they're doing a scan of BoJack's head for the movie. And they're scanning his body in case something bad happens him. they could digitally replace him. And that's, you're like, okay, that's happening. And while they're talking about this, one of them, and I took three times to sing steps for me to get, one of them literally puts his hand in Bojack's mouth. And so they're looking at Gift Horse in the mouth while they're doing this
1: scan. It's so good.
0: Uh, it's so smart and just so, like it's smart and how dumb it is sometimes.
1: Right. But I think it needs that kind of humor because the emotional weight would collapse on itself. Yeah. I think it would just be so depressing. And I think it works. We can stomach it more because of the fact that they're animals. That Mm. I think if they were humans, there wouldn't be that. It creates distance between us and BoJack and the other characters so we can still see ourselves at a distance and think of how silly it is to have animals talking and, and not be just completely depressed by the fact that they are humans going through these things. Not saying that their struggles aren't valid or human, Mm -hmm. but I think the fact that Bojack has a horse head just changes the the way you watch the show,
0: yeah, it's it's the same principle of like why you can have robots get killed and exploded a kid show, but not foot soldiers, and you it's it does create that distance, and it's more critical,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I guess is what I want to say. <laughs> the other thing I want to say, and uh, Chris is very excited to hear me
1: try to defend this. I, um, I'm I'm very excited to hear you defend this.
0: I, if I have not made it clear before, I would stand by Bojack Horseman as a great American novel. Think about it. Hmm. Okay, keep thinking. Yes. All right, yes. But novel, I know, I know, I know. But things change. Culture changes. It's a great American something. It's a piece of work. That works on a couple levels. (laughs) Um. In kind of doing research for this, I've put together a couple criteria we can talk about as what a great American novel is. Um, In 1868, John William DeForest wrote a long essay describing what the American canon is, mostly to sell copies of his book, which is regarded as not being very good. Um, (laughs) But John William DeForest is the reason why we regard such old American books as The Scarlet Letter and Moby Dick as classics as well. Um, so he sets out that a great American novel must identify and exhibit language used by Americans, and it must capture the unique American experience. And then, uh, there's been a lot of backlash to this idea of, like, there being one great American novel recently, because America is a tapestry, and I stand by that, too. Um, so there's lots of criticisms of how you can't have just one, and it's very imperial to think of it as having one book that defines America. Right. Um... However, one of the main critics, Lawrence Buell, sorry, uh, Lawrence Buell, if I'm saying your last name wrong, but I'm guessing there, um, in 2014, in The Dream of the Great American Novel, also talks about how these things have, these books are an article of faith as well, as if you, you cling to your book, Moby Dick is the one and only book. That's the one possible book that could be the Great American Novel. And it takes on an almost religious connotation for fans of that work. And I think that's a pretty good... Well, it's a criticism of this idea. I think it's also a good defining characteristic of what a great American novel is. Hmm. Um, Yeah. And one of his other criticisms that I think helps put this into clarity, but I wouldn't call it necessarily a fourth article for criteria, is um, that what makes all the previously air quotes great American novels regarded as great is that they're specific over general. So Huckleberry Finn is not about the general American experience, it's about that very specific experience that Huckleberry Finn has.
1: Not saying that Huckleberry Finn's experience is the, quote, American experience that everyone has, but the Mm -hmm. fact that...
0: It's, yeah, it's an American experience.
1: A very, very specific one.
0: Yeah, it's very vivid and very specific.
1: So looking through BoJack as the great American novel, uh, we have two episodes that we're going to look at. The first one is season two, episode one, Brand New Couch. And then the second episode is season three, episode four, Fish Out of Water. So the thing that I appreciate about BoJack, and we've talked about the change that happens and repercussions that it, the show is always moving forward towards something new and developing and finding new things. I don't want to say new ways for Bojack to fail, but I feel like in some ways we're finding more instances where he can fail. His Mm -hmm. pedestal gets higher and higher. Um, we think of BoJack as a has been actor who was really big in the 90s and attained greatness on a great American sitcom, the full house of its time, as it were.
0: <laughs> horse and around.
1: Horse and around. Familiar,
0: you can get the gist of the show from that.
1: <laughs> so, um, you know, a, a horse who adopts three children and raises them. So, three
0: human children. Three hum- human Not children. Not horse children.
1: That's right. Because that's very important. So, they're all just horsing around. And then just how things, his rise to absolute greatness there immediately sets forth a a drop. He's set up as high as he can go. But now, having fallen, it's him climbing back up to have another pedestal to fall from. Mm -hmm. This time, even higher constantly higher the fact that he's able to get there and not give up is a little i don't know if it's inspiring if i would call it that but or if it's just from mania forcing him to keep moving forward somehow
0: i think there's definitely an element of mania um looking at the the season symbolically I think the first season is very much... He has neither fame nor happiness. And then in season two, as we see in the... The opening sequence of Brand New Couch... This heartbreaking flashback that kind of... Establishes that he, he so wants to be a good person and have happiness now... But he also wants to be famous. And he's trying hard for both things that he did not have in season one. And ultimately in season three, I think that he's... We haven't seen the fallout of that yet, but I think he's really learning... That he, the way he wants fame and the way he wants happiness, he can't have both, mm-hmm. and that's his struggle and on that, the inside and outside. A lot
1: of times, the outside. <laughs> many, many times on the outside, <laughs> I would say. So, how does, how does brand new couch begin?
0: Oh, uh, okay. So to recap, at the end of the last season, one of the the second to last episode ends with him pleading with um, Diane, who wrote his biography um at a panel that she's delivering and the episode just ends with him going up and saying Hey, i have a question am i a good person do you think i'm a good person it really means a lot for me to know that you think i'm a good person i want someone to think that i'm a good person and it's a heartbreaking moment of season one and so season two begins with little bojack in front of the tv uh in the 70s question mark yes um yeah we haven't had a 70s flashback song yet so i'm not sure
1: yeah. It was the seventies because we had the Dick cavett show.
0: Ah, okay. There we go. So Um So he's sitting in front of the TV watching an interview with Secretariat, um, who is not just a racing horse, but a horse racer in the universe of the
1: show. So he is a horse. And he races. And he races on foot. Not on other horses. <laughs> right. He doesn't ride horses. He himself yeah. He is runs a horse. Yeah. As as a wow. Okay. <laughs>
0: Levels. Levels, Chris. <laughs> it's
1: a secretariat. The famed um, athlete. The
0: yeah. famed athlete secretariat. Um, and they're reading letters, and one of them is from BoJack. And it's a letter saying, um, I'm a good kid, but sometimes I get sad. And so it kind of establishes right then, BoJack's always been this way. This is a struggle to overcome and mm-hmm. uh, he makes this really bad pun in the letter and it's get it did you get it did you really get it because this is what i want to do did you get it and they go on discussing that in the background uh, as the interview is going on you hear bojack's parents fighting bojack's dad also voiced by will arnett sounding exactly like bojack and but- then as he makes a bad pun about leaving forever he says i'm exittaining. do you get it Completely unrelated to what Bojack's watching. And this really just says, voiced by the same person making the same bad jokes, this is the same kind of person. So Bojack has daddy issues. Right. On top of that. Um, and what I really like about this do you get it thing is it's something that's so alienating and sarcastic, but it's also so desperate for validation.
1: Right. For For Bojack, it's all about please validate me. Mm-hmm. And it's so... The fact that As Dick Cavett says, it goes on for a whole page of, (laughs) I need you to tell me that you get this. Please tell me, did you get it? Because we're both horses, you you understand this joke. So, it, it is just a cry for validation, because he certainly is not getting any kind of validation in terms of worth from his home life, as we see as his mom... Returns after the father leaves, and his mother comes in and sits down and the the conversation that she has ugh oh.
0: it's so magical. shall we spoil it i don't I don't know
1: go go ahead
0: it's my favorite thing, so I'd be saying it later anyway,
1: yeah, so we'll leave it for your favorite thing what the mother <laughs> says, but suspense you get to see this idea that it's this relationship that he he wants someone to love him, and it seems as if his parents don't mm-hmm. at all.
0: I would even say seems.
1: I know it. <laughs> the evidence suggests <laughs> that there is no love there for him at all. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, that just crushes me because. Um, we weren't watching it with my son, Jack, around. So th- oh, what? Jack wasn't watching this show? No, Jack was not watching this show. So, But I was just thinking about it. Just Your language matters. Mm-hmm. And what you say to somebody, no matter how young they are, now we're getting deep in this episode about cartoon horses, but <laughs> what you say matters to people and children, and something that you say really while might see a throwaway to you, could be something that defines that person and that child for years to come. So, it's just
0: amazing. And then it happens. Flash forward to present-day BoJack Horseman. Yes. As he's about to start his first day on his new gig as playing Secretariat in the movie biopic about Secretariat.
1: Because of course he is.
0: Because of course. Of course. Horse. He is. Do you get it? Do you get it? Please tell me you got it because he's a horse. I got it.
1: I got it. I totally got it. I didn't like it, but I got it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're picking up what I'm putting down and throwing it in the trash. Yes.
1: I'm I'm currently smelling what the Mac is cooking. Is it spoiled? No.
0: What the Mac is cooking? I'm Mac? Okay.
1: Because I was trying to say The Rock, but I went for half of your name. So Mac, The Rock. Do you get it? Because I was saying
0: What is the rock cooking?
1: That's a saying. When he was a when The Rock Dwayne, the Rock Johnson was a was a wrestler, he would say, Do you smell what the rock is cooking?
0: I know so little about the rock's pre-scorpion king life.
1: Consider yourself enlightened. Boom. Enriched. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh Yes, so we start with Bojack, about on the verge of fame again, really excited to be pursuing a goal, working towards this, and he, he's listening to this wonderful audiobook that I would love to have George Takei actually <laughs> narrate and sell as this ridiculous audiobook about how to achieve happiness. And <laughs> the sofa's a metaphor. Everything is a metaphor. You
1: are a metaphor. All in a lovely George Takei voice. Yeah. Oh. And, But everything is a metaphor and everything is an acronym. (laughs) Because, of course, you have to have acronyms to have these motivational capsules that you can swallow down really fast. And I have to work on my... BNA. My BNA, my brand new attitude. An attitude stands for... (laughs) But we never find out what attitude stands (laughs) for. (laughs) The fact that it does stand for something, because, of course, it has to.
0: Yeah, it's an acronym of an acronym. So. Um, but the episode is called Brand New Couch, which I think the brilliant the brilliant joke here is, um, of course, Todd is Bojack's roommate who sleeps on his couch. And he comes in like, why did I wake up in the alley? He says, I'm listening to this new motivational tape and it said uh, to let go of my life sofa. Or was it life so far? And it is like a visual cue as well, because a- as we've talked about before, things in the opening credits change, including the sofa when he gets a new sofa. So he is letting go of his life sofa and his life so far because it changes the context of the show permanently. Right. Life sofa.
1: Life sofa. (laughs) But it also changes Todd's life because the new couch feels different to sleep on. So he's (laughs) just going to sleep in the car (laughs) to try to find something familiar. So Todd has his own life journey as much as... Todd has a life journey. Oh,
0: Todd. This episode is not about Todd, but I could talk about Todd for a while, too.
1: Right. I th- I think we have enough to t- discuss about BoJack and yeah, what he's trying to accomplish. So anytime, you can tell that now the stakes are high for him because he's trying new things. And this, I would say, is a little bit of a... Activity of a mania of trying so hard to start exercising. So he tries to change everything in his life, change the his home environment. He starts exercising or thinking about exercising. Trying, he gets new running clothes, getting ready to run, listening to the book on. I guess it's not tape, but he's, <laughs> he's listening to the audio book, uh, and he's just trying to go everywhere with this attitude of, I can do this becoming uh, usually his adversarial relationship with Mr. Peanut butter, the (laughs) Labrador, the golden Labrador, uh, who I think I have to say one quick thing about Mr. Peanut butter. I hated Mr. Peanut butter in the first season. I felt like, Halfway through, suddenly I started understanding what Mr. Peanut Butter was there for, what his purpose mm. was, and now I cannot live without Mr. Peanut Butter.
0: Mr. Peanut Butter is everything Bojack could have been if he just chose to be happy. Right. Well, that's that's. I shouldn't say that because Bojack clearly has mental issues, so he can't choose to be happy. You're right. If you were able to be happy,
1: if Bojack was able to be happy, he could be himself, Mr. Peanut Butter, which this the name is just so ridiculous anyway mr Peanut butter <laughs> i just have to say that uh in a good way in a good way so. uh so tell me about brand new couch what do you love in this episode i think i love how it moves from a really deep emotional framework to having really f- easy jokes yes and the fact that we see, we're, we're jumping back and forth, the structure of it is really interesting that we're able to jump back and see some really main points, some main interactions that he has with his mother building towards what we're about to get and his eventual, you know, I guess the, the performance that he has to give that he has to finally learn how to be an actor. So going through this whole thing, but also having jokes like, yes, hello, my friend Bojack. Here it is in the year 1988. (laughs) You know, just jokes like that. When we are still friends. (laughs) Where it's just a, it's an easy, fast joke calling attention to the fact that they're doing a flashback.
0: And they do a tap dance number to emphasize this. And they yell at the tap dancers upstairs. (laughs) Like, look at us. We're cute. Cut that tap dancing out.
1: So it's, it's just really fun to be able to have a show that can make that kind of joke. But then have just really, really not lose the heart of it. It's a very delicate balance. But they, I feel that they're so sincere when they get to those character moments. And most, I don't want to say most, but a lot of it has to do with Will Arnett's performance mm-hmm. when we get to those moments. And it's just heartbreaking. The first moment you see Bojack fail on the set is just, I, I, I bundled up on the couch. I was like, oh gosh, what's happening here? Because he's going into his sitcom mode. And you, all mm-hmm. you want for BoJack, the whole thing that you want for BoJack, is for him to succeed. Mm-hmm. That's all, and they, all you want.
0: They totally set you up to believe in that and want that too in the middle of this episode. Because after he fails to deliver a good acting performance, and uh, for reasons that I won't spoil, they have to take two days off production. Diane gives him this whole pep talk in the car like okay you can hire an acting coach you can do some research we can get together every day and talk about everything about secretary and prepare you. You
1: have two days. yeah
0: I have two days I can do that I'm totally ready to do that and it flashes two days later and they're in the car driving back to work. Oh crap I didn't do any of those things. (laughs) (laughs) Like you really think like okay the next few episodes are going to be about him preparing and learning how to act and then it just takes that rug out from under you.
1: Right. Two days just gone. Just the whole possibility of good things just gone. We're back to, no, no, no. He hasn't learned anything necessarily. He hasn't gone forward. It's he fell out, which is true to his character, but it does set you up to believe that he's going to change or that change is somehow possible. And, I guess that's the big question about BoJack Horseman in here. Is he able to change? Or is there something in him that is constantly dooming him to the kind of life that he has? A life of near success, but never success. Of... Outward happiness, but no inner happiness. Is he mm-hmm. constantly stuck in that? Can he never have what he wants?
0: That's what we're set up for.
1: That's that's what the whole question sets up for. And yet it never answers that question. We never get the answer to fully to that question. It just toys well, with you. We're
0: referring back to Raphael Bob Waksberg's wise words. They don't know if they're telling a story of, comma, ultimately, comma, <laughs> Bojack's redemption, or more of Bojack's bottoming out.
1: Because is that, that's the thing that we're building towards. It's one of those two things. Mm-hmm. We don't, it's not interesting if Bojack just lives life and, well, I guess this is good enough. He's either going to fall further down, or he's going to attain great heights to then fall further down again. Like it's it's where where what is the final word that we have on Bojack? It's just how low he's going to end up, or how high he's going to get to before we get an inkling that he's going to fall again. Because I think I think if we get to season six, I'm calling this. I'm I'm sorry, creators of Bojack Horseman, but if we get to season six, I would see that as the final season. Let's say final season is season six end of season six if he gets something attainable uh, that he can call happiness maybe he's married maybe he has a child maybe he has whatever we'd have to get a hint that that was gonna eventually fall
0: Mm -hmm. if this show were like a sine wave and happiness is above the x-axis and unhappiness is below the X-axis. And the wave just keeps getting taller and deeper and taller and deeper constantly.
1: Until he finally... You just... There's no way that he can crawl back out before he dies.
0: Yeah. He, or he gets so happy that... His, I don't know. I don't know what the happiness scenario is for him.
1: Right. And that's, that's, the, that's <laughs> the thing. He wants validation from somebody... I mean, the, this first episode is trying to get validation from his mom that he is enough of a success to warrant his mother's love. Am I <laughs> successful enough for you to love me? Is the main question in the, this episode. Mm-hmm. And the answer is constantly no.
0: Yeah. Always no. I love Bojack's mother. Uh, if she weren't a horse, I think that she'd be like, Halloween costume of choice for generations to come. (laughs) It's like mommy dearest as a horse.
1: That's true. Without, (laughs) however, without physical cruelty, she's all just emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. That's what she's all about. Emotional abuse. If sarcasm is wielded as a weapon to destroy joy in children that's 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 what she is that's she
0: does deliver another one of my favorite lines in the flashback bojack asks what she thinks of their first taping and she says it wasn't ibsen and in my head i'm thinking who is this show for who watching a cartoon horse comedy slash tragedy Knows who Henrik Gibson is. And then like two minutes later, it's followed up with another character saying, as Max Headroom would say, so you have to know both Henrik Gibson and Max Headroom to get all the jokes in the show. And I realized that I am the audience for this show. <laughs> this show is perfectly catered to all of my knowledge of pop culture and Norwegian Shakespeare.
1: <laughs> yes, I... Uh... I would land myself in that boat as well. <laughs> so, we at Writers Get Animated are the audience for BoJack Horseman, and my you wife as well. Here. My wife, yeah, as well. Um, <laughs> good old uh, Wendy Malick, who does the voice of the mother, mm. who was also Pacha's wife in The Emperor's New Groove.
0: Oh, that's yeah.
1: Um, two s- completely different characters um, that you get. She uses her forces of sarcasm and dryness for good in *The Emperor's New Groove*, and you see her as the first animated pregnant woman in a Disney film. Which, really? Yeah, that's a weird what? that's a weird first for *The Emperor's New Groove*. It's the first depicted pregnant woman <laughs> in a Disney film was in the Emperor's New Groove. So they, wow. they had to be respectful doing that. But she she brings a, a heart to it in there. And apparently it was just a, she went to Ohio Wesleyan.
0: Oh, fun fact. Fun fact. Maybe we can get her on the show. Wendy, if you're listening,
1: we're here for you. <laughs> so now that we've talked about the mother... And what in happiness and fame? Let's give Bojack one of those two things. Let's give him a little bit of fame mm-hmm. as we move to the second example, season three, episode four, Fish Out of Water. So, where are we in Bojack's world at this point?
0: Well, entourage style, they spend the entirety of season two making a movie. Um, And so season three is about uh, what they do with that movie. And so at the beginning of season three, they're running BoJack around, uh, putting Secretariat and BoJack Horseman on the Oscar track. And so he's doing publicity for his movie. And this episode has a very concise setup that when I was first watching it, I was like, this is a lot of information very quickly to set up stakes for this episode. And you quickly realize why. Uh, Because this particular episode, I think, is a... Um, deserves a lot of attention, and it's got a lot of critical attention just for how well executed it is. Um, essentially, the stakes at the beginning: Bojack is on a phone call with his agent, and we learn he has to get to the festival by eight. He doesn't
1: know what a thumbs up means in the fish world because this is the because the festival is happening underwater. Yes, it's it's um, he's in a I submarine. Yeah, to go to the Pacific. Ocean Film Festival? Yeah. Pop. Puff. Puff. <laughs> so.
0: And it's the only festival you can go to for a number of jokes that they list off now about other film festivals. <laughs> um, and also, Kelsey, the director, the first director secretary who got fired, will be there. In picking episodes for this episode of the podcast, Chris and I did not intend for us to have the beginning... And emotional resolution of the Kelsey arc. But hey, here we are. (laughs) So we have these criteria. Festival by eight. Doesn't know what a thumbs up is. It's the only festival you can go to. So stakes are high and Kelsey will be there. And as soon as he gets underwater, you realize Bojack can't talk to other people because he's wearing his um, underwater helmet. And he can't understand what other people are saying either. So it's a dialogue free episode after the beginning setup.
1: Which is pretty remarkable. Because it mostly gets, gets by with physical comedy and underwater comedy. Like, oh, I'm trying to drink some alcohol, but the alcohol floats away in the water, and he can't get to it. And then, oh, I'm trying to eat these chips, but now the chips are floating around in the water. <laughs> I can't, he can't talk. And you sound, the whole thing sounds like you're underwater because ev- everything's muted. Mm-hmm. So even the sound effects that are happening, the voices, things exploding, things going through, cars going by, just sounds muffled. But also set to a wonderful new age soundtrack. Oh, the score is brilliant in this episode. Like like I could listen to that score. That that score was I I feel like saying rockin', but it wasn't rockin'. <laughs> But it, I was I was really it was uh, grooving. yeah it was grooving to it I I enjoyed that uh, that score. It was a good time, mm-hmm.
0: and they they match it visually. So it starts off like very Bojacky, and then we'll we'll get to like why things happen. But it, there's a wonderful sequence of he slides down to like a trench in the ocean, and there's this cool like light up sea anemone sequence set to the music as he's chasing like this little baby seahorse he's been taking care of. And then they wind up in a, a a saltwater taffy factory in the ocean, and this it's like a video game sequence, but also this trippy music video. It's it's if Pink Floyd did an animated version of The Wall with an animated horse, it might be this episode.
1: <laughs> that's a that's a bold statement.
0: I'm not defending that one of this episode. Just that Bojack Horseman is a great American album.
1: <laughs> right. Let's. Let's answer one massive question at a time. <laughs> so, what, what, tell us about the underwater world. This underwater world that he goes to is essentially. Uh,
0: it's basically Japan. Right. <laughs> There's weird commercials. Um, they do some cool shots of like uh, a low angle of Bojack's face as he looks around this crazy city with these weird ads and like the the language is it it is english it's an english alphabet but there's some strange symbols added to some of the letters and the more blocky to make it look a little bit more alien and if you want to talk about good writing this is one of my favorite writing tricks that i've ever seen in this episode where they spout off he's watching tv and there's a couple crazy commercials in bojack style um so turns on tv and there's one crazy commercial for something a second crazy commercial for something And then a third crazy commercial starring Mr. Peanut Butter against some kind of, like, alien baby seahorses trying to get seahorse milk. and Because it is. But you pay attention more to the third ad because it's already got a character you know, Mr. Peanut Butter, in it.
1: Right. It's like, oh, Mr. Peanut Peanut Butter. It's like, what is this going on? So you're really, really watching it.
0: And the content of that commercial is what becomes important later in the episode.
1: Thank goodness.
0: Yeah. So, writing 101, watch those 30 seconds of this episode. That's how you set something up without anybody guessing what you're setting up. Unless they also listen
1: to Writers Get Animated. Before watching their shows that they watch. Hmm. I feel like checking this out. Let me listen to this podcast before I get to it. (laughs) Tell me what to think before I watch it, please. Oh, yes. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I, I... that Mr. Peanut Butter commercial was—it felt a lot like the uh, what? What is it? The Mr. Sparkle commercial from oh. the Simpsons, where? Well, this is yeah. So they're very much influenced by the same um, Japanese commercial absurdity craziness of here's this crazy product. And we're going to just show random images and crazy reaction shots of people. And that's going to be what the, that's going to be what this commercial is all about. So it it harkens back to a great tradition of cartoons, mocking Japanese commercials on one thing. And then as you were saying, we learn about seahorse milk because what, what happens to Bojack?
0: Uh, Long story short, Bojack Horseman is left in the middle of nowhere after helping a seahorse dad deliver his new babies. Because and that's a thing. Them. You have count them. Yes, male seahorses give birth, air quotes. Um, and I had to count them as they were coming out of the male seahorse this time. And that's, that's the reason you maybe shouldn't watch this episode with um, your kids. <laughs> <laughs> and so you see very quickly six baby seahorses ejected from this male seahorse
1: ejected that's the word you're ejected. gonna use
0: they go flying at Bojack they hit him in the face <laughs> is there a better word for that I'm pretty sure they're ejected
1: they were projectile birthed I don't know projectile birthed that sounds even
0: worse that's it yeah
1: okay we'll go back to ejected
0: <laughs> so they're ejected out of this daddy seahorse and you quickly see six baby seahorses come out a whap Bojack in the face and he kind of like okay And the dad seahorse gets off the bus with um, his kids and walks away. And he realizes he has five kids. Well, you don't realize the first time watching this episode. But essentially, Bojack gets kicked off the bus. And a while later, and he realizes one of the baby seahorses is still there with him. So he goes on this quest to, after realizing he can't leave the seahorse alone, because literally the seahorse won't leave him alone. Right. He tries to be a bad person first. He does. (laughs) True to character. Um, he decides he has to get this baby seahorse back to its parent or just a place to take it back to. Or take care of it. Do something with the baby seahorse. So the whole episode is about Bojack with this baby seahorse instead of... And also trying to get back to the festival by 8 for his movie premiere.
1: But I feel like he's not actually trying to get to the festival.
0: Subconsciously, maybe not. But those are the stakes that people expect of him.
1: Right. Because he the reason why he ends up on the bus is because now he's distracted by what he's supposed to be doing by Kelsey and trying to fix that relationship. He sees her realizes what's happened that he hasn't called or said or done anything to repair that relationship. And he tries to repair that relationship and ends up on this bus. Um, on accident, it's. I guess there's a school of fish that shove by. Sardines. Yeah, they shove him into this this bus. He falls asleep and then wakes up with a pregnant male seahorse before he PBs his children. Projectile births.
0: Oh, I got it. I got <laughs> it. Okay, I
1: just, did you get it? I, just, I got. Okay, it. I just want to At make sure you I first thought you were
0: like a Mister. He Mister Peanut Butters. No, no, no.
1: Children. He. I, I realized that there's that confusion with Mister Peanut Butter, but he PBs projectile birds. <laughs> I didn't know if the acronym would make it better. It made it worse. I think. It did. I think it does. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> he he has those two goals: the personal goal of fixing things with Kelsey to be a good person. And being the good star, which is to go to the premiere, show up, wave, be in pictures, say things. But he can't talk uh, because of his helmet. Mm-hmm. But he so he has those two con- things that are conflicting. He can't really be a good person to Kelsey and still be a great star or a good star movie star
0: yeah being a good movie star would have meant quitting the movie when she got fired also right and he didn't do that
1: no and i think i don't know if returning the seahorse child is his way of making amends to somehow prove that he's still a good person if that shows that down to his core he is good because of the lengths the absolute comedic lengths that he goes to uh to try to return this child to the child's father
0: what's it's it's his kid in another life it's a very specific choice to make the baby a sea horse and kind of look like him but not really and we see like this longing from bojack to have a family and have kids multiple times he's a fantasy um with um oh man um Dear lady. Ah, I forget a name. <laughs> um, he's a fantasy before going to meet his old friend. Charlotte! Charlotte, his old friend Charlotte, who's a deer. That, uh, he's a fantasy that they're in a cabin and they have a kid. Um, uh, his co-star from Horset Around, Sarah Lynn, he kind of treats as like a, s- a child, but also a peer and also a sexual partner.
1: Which is... Many kinds for, of complicated
0: Yeah, there's there's some bad romantic time sessions, RTS with that.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and now he has this longing for the seahorse baby, which isn't his, but he like wants to see safe. Right. There's some wonderful moments of cinematography with that. It's it's just who he could have been.
1: And still there is no real resolution with kelsey he does get to deliver the seahorse baby back to the father um who just shrugs and takes the baby back
0: changes his congrats on your five kids to a six with a little sharpie swipe
1: (laughs) and then but the interesting thing is you know bojack waves and in the end it doesn't seem like he recognizes which of those kids it actually was that he saved because mm-hmm. they they all look identical, and none of them none of them have the requisite. Oh, thank you for saving me! Like go up and like hug your leg kind of thing that you might get in a different kind of show to show that hey, we had a connection, and thank you for saving me and taking me back home. We don't get that kind of payoff. We just get the yeah, the kid's with his family now, and doesn't really care about you which I think is a little more true to life kids really don't mm-hmm. care that you've saved their <laughs> lives on multiple <laughs> occasions they just are like oh food is happening cool and again being a
0: father is broken chris
1: yeah but he won't take money you know f-
0: he just wants to stand there and stare creepily at the family dinner
1: yeah he he doesn't want that kind of reward he wanted some other kind of validation And then we get to see that it's far too late for him to be at the premiere. The premiere's gone. It's over.
0: So he goes to the after party where he gets everything he's wanted this whole episode. He gets nicotine patches instead of cigarettes so he can use them underwater. He gets a vodka suppository so he can drink.
1: (laughs) Air quotes, drink. Drink. He can get drunk.
0: He can absorb. (laughs) Um, And we see him sitting at a table with... Two ostensibly beautiful (laughs) fishwomen having a good time. (laughs) Now I've broken Chris. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So he has everything he wants. He has nicotine, he has a vodka suppository, and he has fishwomen. And he sees Kelsey leaving and he gives it all up to chase after. He has everything he wants fame-wise. He decides that making amends with Kelsey or trying to is more important. And he ultimately still fails to do that.
1: And the whole episode is... I think... there's there's a great symbolism in the fact that Bojack can't communicate. He can't communicate Mm -hmm. his feelings at all. And... In the end, he had the power to communicate this whole time. And I think my favorite thing um, where he, re- he the, the first bit of dialogue that we get in the episode after the fr- initial setup we've been without dialogue this whole time except for fish talk like woo, woo, like essentially. And then we finally hear somebody say hey get out of the way what are you deaf get out of the way and it, it's a real shock to your system after about almost 20 minutes of silence and then we realize that this guy is holding a button on his helmet to be able to speak like a walkie-talkie essentially out of his helmet and then bojack presses his button, and just the shock, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And like, before he (laughs) could finish the line the episode's over. It's like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. It's like, he could have said this, but he just doesn't know how to communicate. And that's given one way in terms of the multiple ways that he tries to write Kelsey this apology. Mm -hmm. The three different Notes that he writes to begin with, like, hey, sorry, I didn't do this. And she's gone before he finds his really lackluster apology. Mm. And then when he finds We're fin- cool, right? <laughs> yeah, we're cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then having his final thing where he does say exactly what he means I'm sorry, I didn't call you after. And like, but even that just gets destroyed through water.
0: Yeah, water not letting you write on things.
1: Yeah, like it does. Why even have pens down there if you can't write with them?
0: I think it was because he wrote it on the bottle of the seahorse milk thing too. It's like not really paper; it's like that weird plasticky thing.
1: I know. Are these space pens? Because those write underwater. Ooh, maybe it is a space. That's pen. why I, I like to
0: believe that if they have a sub, a submarine airplane, they have the technology for space pens.
1: I would think so. Because those write in zero gravity and because um, they're pressurized, and that's why I use them for all my writing.
0: This has been a new product endorsement <laughs> from Chris Leva on Writers Get Animated. Space Go pens. to writersgetanimated.tumblr.com to buy your fishy space pen, also.
1: <laughs> I'm not, oh, goodness. That was awkward product placement. Now, moving on. That wasn't actually an ad, but what was what was your favorite thing? Now we've come to the moment for your favorite thing where we get to talk about the mother's line.
0: If you sped through the episode to find out, be sure to rewind back to like around the 15-minute mark when we started this conversation so you can continue with the rest of the episode. <laughs> um, as Bojack, young Bojack, is sitting in front of the TV and his dad leaves forever and his mother comes back into the room. She lights up a cigarette, sucks it down, says... Don't sit so close to the TV. It'll make you cruel. (laughs) Oh, It's just so good. It's like so dark and so funny and so true to character for both of them. It works on so many levels because Bojack gets really close to TV and he becomes a TV sitcom star and becomes a very cruel person. It's a prophecy from his mother. (laughs) And this is who I would like to be for Halloween.
1: (laughs) Well, let's, we have, before we we get to homework time for next time, we do have a small piece of unfinished business. Did you have anything else you needed to say?
0: No, I was just going to say, we hold Chris accountable on this podcast.
1: Yeah, we do. I misspoke on our episode where we were discussing Beauty and the Beast. I said that. There were 14 Disney princesses. I was wrong. There are 11. (gasps) There are 11. Um, And I would also like to personally apologize to Merida from Brave. Because she is one of the 11. So the 11 Disney princesses are Belle, Rapunzel, Ariel, Tiana... Snow White, Cinderella, Aurora, Merida, Pocahontas, Jasmine, and Mulan, 11, not 14.
0: Pocahontas, interesting. And
1: including Merida. So I humbly apologize, Merida, and to the Disney princess enclave, I don't know what to call them, but like just to the Disney princesses and to Disney fans around the world who listen to our podcast, who may have thought that we lost a little bit of credibility.
0: So if you thought before there were 14 and that Merida wasn't one of them, who were the other four you thought were princesses?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I was probably including Miss Bianca from Rescuers or something. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I just, for some reason, thought there were more out of 52 animated features. I somehow thought that there were more than 11 you would well, think. Well, I'm sure that Anna and be... Elsa
0: will be inducted. What was that? I'm sure Anna and Elsa will be inducted soon.
1: Yeah, I would. I would think so. Even though Elsa's a queen. Okay. That would be a whole other thing they've... to have Disney queens.
0: That would that writes itself. <laughs>
1: That's what I'm saying.
0: So Jafar, Scar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, let's. Let's get to homework time while we can. Next time on Writers Get Animated, we will be discussing It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, because It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, turns 50. 50 years of Charlie Brown, Halloween fun.
0: Is it fun if you're waiting for the great pumpkin for 50 years?
1: I don't know. Let's ask uh, Samuel Beckett. It's
0: like, I was going to say, it's like a waiting for Godot of Charlie Brown.
1: <laughs> Same brain. It's, it's waiting for Godot, Charlie Brown. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, as always, we will have to say thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino and to Jacob Reed for our theme music.
0: You can find us on the web, writersgetanimated.tumblr.com for fishy space pens and show notes with links to everything we talked about today. Uh, you can also reach us on Twitter, at wg animated and on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash animated. Well done. Leave us a review on iTunes. Tell your friends about us. Make someone listen to this on a road trip. Maybe not this episode. Something they're interested in. Or just Zootopia if they don't like cartoons.
1: Because <laughs> uh, Zootopia, because it's like they're animals. Do you get it? It's like zoo, but it's topia. But it's like utopia, but it's Zootopia. Do you get it? Do you get that? Because they're animals? Oh, kind of like BoJack. BoJack Horseman because they're animals too. Do you get it? Do, do you not get it? I thought you would get it because it's a pretty clever thing that they have. got. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I, I did it to myself. <laughs>